Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 6th, 2024. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, digging a hole this time. Caffeine Rage. On today's show, we're going to be doing a very specific one. Uh, we're going to be doing the Game Club Steam World build uh, for January, and we will be telling you February's Game Club and maybe some stories, but otherwise, that's it. Timestamps yeah. will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Care to tell the people that we're old and, and busted? No, you're and old and busted. I am old and busted. I am. You're just tired. Yeah, I've had a couple hard days at work, what can I say? Yeah, that's okay. That's how it goes. Um, like, yeah. We've been, oh, we've been very off topic. There's going to be some Frankie content about mm-hmm. uh, a couple of different video games, actually. And then just some of our random, random stuff. I didn't tell my stories. Um, I, I forgot to post the show last week on Friday. I did the edit. I've had a very busy couple of weeks. Yeah, cube is, uh, uh, his cubeness is uh, panicking in the <laughs> Discord, so I had to go yeah. press the button. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I've, I've had a very busy couple of weeks at work. I don't know what it is with like timing or what, but a whole bunch of people have decided like, yes, we're going to start treating our mental illness, which I'm not complaining about that helps, you know, job security. And also like, hopefully they get, they get the help that they need, but doing multiple first time appointments in a day is a lot because you've got to do a whole bunch of extra paperwork and like checking with insurance companies and setting up treatment plans and a whole bunch of stuff that takes sometimes hours, depending on the complexity of a person's incoming case. So doing multiple of those, sometimes multiple days in a row, like I was already tired. So I pushed the edit to Thursday night, which I try not to do that. But every once in a while I do, I was like, I'll put this up in the morning. And then in the morning, Friday morning, eight o'clock, Right, I'm sitting at my desk at work. Uh-huh. I got I got to do um, an, an assessment, uh, first time appointment assessment. This lady discharged from the hospital. You never know what you're gonna get with one of those, and she just screams at me, like very incoherent. Like she's she's polite. She's schizophrenic. It's extremely schizophrenic, and she was having an episode. But so she walks in. And, um, you know, she's, uh, you know, good morning, sir, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I'm like, yeah, you know, I introduced myself. I'm like, I'm going to be doing your assessment today. And then she just starts screaming. And most of it's incoherent. A lot of it, the the parts that I can pick out have to do with, like, somebody took her money. And they, like, tricked her into coming here. She's going to sue us. Um, she's going to pray that, that God will, will remove the demons, that God will come save her. Uh, she's uh, got to get well, out of here. Of, first of all, uh, she has it wrong. It's, uh, it's Damon's. It's just a dude named Damon. <laughs> you know, uh, he, he, he's there to uh, do her hair, but she just keeps screaming at him. Sometimes you never know, you know, you never know what you might find. But, um, you know, so it, it was that for like 10 minutes. Before we're finally able to get her, like, 
restrained. I mean, it's, we didn't like tackle her or cuff her or anything, but it's like, please sit down, please here, have something. Just sit down. We'll call the the van and and they'll take you back somewhere. And that kind of set the trend for the day on Friday. And it's just like that was how my morning started. And I just completely like blanked on anything for the rest of the day, except like, okay, I got I got these people, I got this paperwork. I am so ready to go home. So, yay, schizophrenia. Woo. Woo. Now, I have a, okay, I have a question. I have an answer. So, uh, match. With, uh, with, uh, somebody that's schizophrenic or split personalities or whatever, do you get to charge them twice? <laughs> I wish. No, oftentimes we don't get to charge them at all. At least for situations like that. I got you off guard, didn't I? Yeah. Um, uh, now, now, now uh, how many people are in, the, in there? Because I, I need this for belly purposes. Yeah. Uh, who has the wallet? Uh, I need to make uh, out this uh, this bill to them. Schizophrenia, broadly speaking, is a relatively rare condition. Multiple personalities is astronomical in in its rarity. I, I've seen. I don't know. I'm gonna guess ballpark ten thousand different uh, patients over my time doing this. Um, given like working with like the group homes and the severely like mentally ill and doing like hospital discharges and things like that, you know. And and of all of those people, I've worked with one person who definitely had multiple personalities. And then a couple of people who had some trauma presentations that mimicked multiple personalities, but did not meet the diagnostic criteria for multiple personalities. Like, it's it's super rare uh, in the general population. I mean, statistically, that probably works out to being, like, several million people around the world. But, you know, it is fascinating, though. Mm-hmm. One day, I want to, like, just teach a college course, like, be an adjunct professor, to teach, like... Instead of like abnormal psychology, call it fucked up psychology. (laughs) (laughs) Fucked up psychology 101. And just like teach students about the experiences that I've had over the, depending on when, you know, decade or decades of my career. And then hang up my hat, go home, be done. Anyways, uh, that was story time. (laughs) Story time. Uh, Game time. Uh, Game club. Do you want to Ooh. tell the listeners what Game Club is? Game Club is that special, special time of the month. Oh, wait, that's different. Uh, that's something else. <laughs> I don't know how special that is. Uh, game Club is the uh, time when we come together and purposely play the same game at the same time and then sit around and talk about it and bitch. Yeah, lots of times bitching is involved. <laughs> and this month we're playing on Game Pass Steam World Build, which is. Uh, a, a little bit city builder, a little bit uh, uh, dungeon keeper, a little bit country, a little bit rock and roll. Mm-hmm. And it's a part of the Steam World universe. It's not a cinematic universe, thankfully. Uh, we had a little bit of uh, Craig time talking about the cinematic universes and that sort of thing. So that might be on there. I think that yeah. was. Uh, while while Craig was recording, uh, Steam World is what a five or six game uh, universe now. 
I don't know. There, there are multiple games in this loose yeah, universe. There's SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld Dig 2, uh, SteamWorld Heist, SteamWorld uh, The Hand of Gilgamesh, SteamWorld Build, and it feels like I'm missing one. All right. Steam, uh, I just looked up all of them. Uh, let's see. SteamWorld Build, we said. SteamWorld, SteamWorld Quest, Hand of Gilgamesh, which Quest, you said. is the one I didn't say. SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld Heist. It looks like there's also a SteamWorld Tower Defense that was on DSR. Uh, the, uh, the Tendo's handheld. That was actually the first one. Yeah. Or, 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 or SteamWorld Quest Hand of Gilgamesh. So I kind of said that one. Looks like there's another one coming out called SteamWorld Headhunter. So, yeah. It's essentially a shared universe. That now third-person co-op action-adventure for Headhunter. Intriguing. But uh, anyway, we're getting off in the weeds already, <laughs> right? A little bit, a little bit. So it's, uh, it's a uh, shared universe where everybody is steam-powered robots. It's a little bit of steampunk, a little bit of, well, a lot of Western, a little bit of sci-fi, and it has the same feel across all the games, uh, where all the... Uh, like, the general rules of the world are the same, even if the game is vastly different. Like, you know, uh, SteamWorld uh, Dig is a platformer adventure game, while SteamWorld uh, Quest is a role-playing deck builder. Mm-hmm. But still, you know, feels about the same. Uh, like, it's set in the same universe, because it is. SteamWorld Build it follows the, essentially the same rules, where... You're prospecting a mining town to go down and dig into some abandoned mines for some uh, lost tech to get the fuck off the planet. So, yeah, right? Yeah. And depending on if you go into story mode, because there's essentially a free build mode and then there's story mode. Story mode has a lot more gate uh, or time gates and uh, well, I shouldn't say time gates. Uh, progression gates where you have to meet certain criteria in order to continue on while free builders yeah pretty much just yeah freely build whatever the hell you want i i I, i'm of two minds of this game and i think it comes down to not getting enough information about what the hell is going on uh, with your uh, town okay okay so yeah go on you're you're doing great sweetie keep going (laughs) There are four different main classes of citizens. There's uh, builders, there's engineers, there's aristobots, and scientists. A scientist I had just unlocked it the last time I really played the game. Okay, so you and I probably were about the same spot, because I had just gotten scientists as well. And I also unlocked the fourth layer of the dungeon. Yep. Or the, or the mine, or whatever you want to call it. And in order to progress from one to the next, you have to uh, meet all the various needs, which as you complete milestones, at least in story mode, more gets heaped upon you uh, for each individual uh, citizen class until you you get to the next one, and then it starts there. And each need also has its own uh, supply chain, so for example, starting off really simple, 
uh, the builders, uh, like they need uh, charcoal, which to make charcoal, you have to uh, have a lumber mill uh, in some place that has uh, wood or yeah, a little forested area to chop down trees, which uh, then goes into the a warehouse system, which thankfully all the warehouses are networked and instantaneously transport things. Which is a nice, you know, quality of life thing because yes, th- things get really messy in these games uh, in this uh, genre uh, if uh, certain concessions aren't made, and that's nice. Yeah, uh, or and especially uh, that's way to do it. Especially when you're when you're doing like a first run because you don't understand how things build on yeah. one another, mm-hmm. and so you wind up with like really congested areas, and it's like, well, I could tear it all down and do it again. But that's going to take time and cost me resources. And and, and the game honestly uh, doesn't advance time fast enough to be able to get those resources back. Yeah. Which is another gripe I have with it. Even but, if you t- push the fast forward button, it is yeah. still very, is painfully slow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you uh, start producing uh, trees or, you know, start producing wood. And then uh, at a charcoal kiln, uh, it takes that wood and makes charcoal, which is then distributed from the charcoal kiln to the local area uh, via the roads, which, as the roads are upgraded through the various tiers of uh, citizens, uh, allows uh, uh, it to travel further before it you know, loses steam. Eh? Eh? Uh-huh. My problem is, until you start really tinkering with uh, the numbers in the warehouse, seeing how much is produced, you have no idea how much you're producing. So, whenever it's asking you, okay, well, you need you know, 200 Aristobots to be able to upgrade to the next class. Uh, it unlocks scientists, for example. If you start building up v- your various supply chains, you start running out of resources to fuel them because it doesn't say, you know, this um hat maker for example uh needs you know i'm gonna make up a number because right uh, right yeah it needs like uh five steel wool a minute uh to be able to make it which the steel wool is uh made by a different uh building off somewhere else so you don't see that you know, building a second one in order to uh, have enough uh, to fu- you know, fuel your little uh, mining town, it's only going to put you in a deficit uh, until you know you go back to the train station and look and see. Oh, well, this is down now. Well, now I got to go fix this. And I'm just talking about these are simple supply chains. Some of them get really complex even on the third tier, where I think the most complex one I encountered was four steps. It was like robo steaks, or yeah. uh, The one for fine dining? Yeah, 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 cattle to robo steaks to something else to fine dining. And there's a lot of places that also uses some of those resources. So if you put down a fine dining... Yeah, you know, suddenly you're in a deficit on something completely different. Yeah. And it's just the numbers are there, but they're not front and center. And I know, I know. It it sounds like I'm uh 
uh, to borrow a term from Second Wind, uh, being a sweaty, and I want to build a spreadsheet. No, I don't want to build a switch, uh, uh, spreadsheet. That's my co-host here that likes to build spreadsheets. I do, I just, yes. I just want to see what the impact on my supply chains are going to be in a game that the top half of it in the uh, town builder is like half supply chain building. Yeah. The game feels very Anno-light to me. Pretty much mm, all of that. Pretty much all of the Anno games play out this way on a very basic level. Because they're all, all all of them, at least most of them, have got two or three layers to them. You have your city building management layer where that they, they are supply chains. You are doing stuff to build up to the next level so you can get the next stuff to build up to the next level to get to whatever your end goal is. And that varies from Anno game to Anno game. And then you'll have some other type of thing, um, you know, mm-hmm. combat missions, RTS style, or um, one of them has got like a space station management thing that's a separate portion. So it's like, there, yeah, there are multiple multiple layers to it, but this feels like the simple version of that, because was, I was getting hard Anno vibes pretty much straight from the beginning. You're dropped on a map. You're given some very basic stuff to attract your very, like, first class of citizen, and then you build up from there. It's okay with that. I, I got that pretty pretty quick and easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't disagree with anything that you've said. The game makes some good conveniences in terms of, like, with your warehouses, for example, and giving you upgrades. Thank Christ that you get the road upgrades, which also expand how far your, your uh, various services, including warehouses, can reach down your sort of supply network Mm -hmm. because that problem that I mentioned earlier with like in the beginning, it's just like build a whole bunch of the basic homes in a relatively small area with some simple um, services that they need to keep your citizens happy and allow your population to grow. And that became like my city center. But a lot of the later production buildings or uh, a lot of the later resource buildings for, Especially for the shaped as well. Yeah, but especially for the Aristobots and the scientists, like the engineers are, you know, your next level up of of citizens. So, you know, there's still room to get their stuff close enough that you can cover your major population center. But by the Aristobots, like in order to level them up to the scientists, you need a gambling, you need a casino, you need hats, you need fine dining, you need pistols, you need a sheriff. And you're so far away from your city center that if it wasn't for the road upgrades, I, you would have to tear down and rebuild your entire city. Actually, no, you're wrong on that one. And this is something that the game doesn't tell you. And what kind of honestly soured me a little bit I- is that you can move things. You can move things freely. So I started essentially redesigning my city, uh, moving the Aristobots out to their own district. And I figured out, I'm not sure if it's the most optimal way to play, because you're still beholden to what you find in the mine for some of the resources. But for the more annoying uh, uh, buildings, to just have them be uh, servicing that particular group that needs them, and there's not a lot of carryover 
from Engineer to Aristobot outside of, I think uh, it's the the washer. The yeah. washing service. Mm-hmm. So you could upgrade an engineer to Aristobot and then move the entire building to the Aristobot district. Yeah, the game does not tell you that you can freely move stuff that way. I know I knew that you could move some things and maybe this you can is move just entire my own buildings. Fault. Yeah. Maybe it's just my own fault for not connecting the dots, but I, yeah, the game doesn't tell you that you can just move it, freely it, move it, stuff. It, it didn't really hit on me until you know, the last uh, PlayStation, uh, PlayStation I did that how much of this is carryover? If I just move all the Aristobots to their own little uh, island, essentially. Yeah. Uh, scientists ha- uh, start off with a few overlapping things as well. But yeah, I pretty much just dug out my city center and moved it off uh, uh, into the weeds. And knowing this now, I would have probably built a very, very different town. And just had production in one area with uh, it feeding uh, into the warehouse system. And uh, just district every uh, one and move them around as need be. Yeah. I did do that to a certain extent. Um, once I got past the initial... I think it was it was when I started Floor 2 of the dungeon or the mine. Um, I was like, okay, the rest of the map is unlocked. And I'm going to go over here and I'm just going to set this up as production because like, you know, like we've said, the warehouses, as long as they're close enough to intersect with one another, they create that automatic instant shared supply chain. So yeah, well, just the, use warehouses the like depots. Work, uh, makes that vastly uh, wider. I am annoyed with how long it took me to get a warehouse upgrade because they're okay. There's uh, all the buildings have. Uh, the possibility of some sort of upgrade, or I should say the production buildings, along with the stuff in the mine, which we haven't really even touched on yet. No. Uh, The warehouses are limited to, what is it, 25 or 50 at the start of uh, resources that aren't infinite. Uh, I think it's 50. Is it 50 or 75? I think it's 50. Okay. maybe Yeah, Uh, maybe uh, it's 50. And and each... uh, and uh, warehouse and uh, expansion that you find uh, adds twenty five plus it gives uh, three more deliveries to that where that specific warehouse. Yeah, the problem is that it took me ages to find it because the mine is actually randomly generated. Yep, and all of the things that you get from the train station are also random, and, and they cycle every time the train comes in. Well, which is every five minutes, and yep, it requires rubies, which you can buy rubies at the trade station, but that requires cash, which uh, is generated by your populace. And if you're buying a lot of rubies, you know, you're spending all your cash, which means that you can't upgrade from one class of citizen to the next. Yep. It, this really does feel almost like a podcast game of, you know, that there, it's very. This feels very low stakes, outside of the you know, story stuff, where it doesn't. I know that there's probably a fail state, but it feels like you have to almost deliberately go for it. You know. Yeah, I do feel like you would have to fail on purpose. I mean, um, even whenever you're in the mine and you get overwhelmed, it's just knocking things out, which are then you know, 
uh, rebuilt or uh, yeah, resurrected by the engineers. Yeah. Because I had uh, two hives on the third floor uh, attack me at the same time, and I didn't have enough turrets to you know, push them back. And it just you know, went through and started, started knocking out uh, machinery. Which then, you know, the guards got uh, resurrected, you know, wakened up, uh, you know, serviced, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, uh, eventually beat it back. Now, yep. I'm not sure if the fourth uh, floor would do the same because I didn't go as far on it. But, you know, it's kind of setting the pattern of, you know, uh, you know failure, it, it's a possibility, but eh. Uh, just, a distant you know, take, possibility. Take, yeah, yeah, just take it at your own pace. You got a butt. You got a champ. Go get him. Yeah. Which, and, which I found a little disappointing, honestly. I mean, I don't want, you know, I don't want, you know, SteamWorld big build to be, you know, souls like, you know, you know, you have to memorize the patterns and, uh, you know, uh, know exactly how to build your town. But at the same time, it felt like it was a little too, uh, uh, too, I, I was saying too easy as a, not quite what I'm trying to say. It's uh, to uh, uh, it, it doesn't take it. Uh, it doesn't offer enough of a challenge to uh, satiate me. You know. Yeah. Uh, especially whatever you're also invoking dungeon keeper, which is the other half of the game. Yeah, which is there. Like, like we, you know, like we said, there are at least four levels to I'm this. I'm pretty sure it's just four. Okay, so there are four levels to this mine. There are six total rocket parts you have to connect, collect. Which I got um, four. I also got, yeah, four. Because we both cleared um, the first three floors. Does the first, the first floor's got rocket parts. The second floor does. The third, the yeah. Se- yeah, the, uh, yeah, there's two more remaining in the last one. Maybe yeah, there's, there's eight four, total. There, 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 there's six. Okay. And yeah, it's four levels. Well, then that would be eight if there's two every floor. Um, I'm pretty sure the first floor and the second floor didn't have uh, uh, two each. I think the oh, maybe first they floor have, only had, had one, one each. Okay. I think the first floor only had one. The second floor had two. Well, uh, the third floor had uh, had. T- uh, uh, I'm trying to remember now. Ultimately, you have to collect. Six rocket parts yeah. in order to build the, the the ship to get off the planet in in this mine. In the first level, as you work your way down the mine, it starts to add more challenge. The first floor has got um, no enemies. It's very simple um, to to engage with, um, and it's teaching you the basics. You have your guys clear out um, the mine, sort of one space or one block at a time. The worker bots will mine out the out the the rocks, the dirt, etc., to clear clear you space to build your little rooms, um, which are just like in Dungeon Keeper fashion. There are different types of rooms to represent the different types of bots: the standard worker bots, the uh, prospector bots. Which there are resource nodes that you can mine and then also build equipment on to automate and speed up the mining process. And the prospector bots will do the mining, and then they will also do the resource-moving gathering until you get conveyor belts if you so choose to use a conveyor belt, although you really don't have to. Um, Then there's engineer bots, 
who can build the machinery and a few special pieces of equipment, like a radar, for example, that will scan for points of interest to help direct you sort of more quickly to what you need. And then the the uh, guard bots, which when you get down another level and enemies start appearing, then they have to um, clear things. They have to protect your, your bots. They have to clear out enemy forces that spawn, these little bug guys. And then there's some other things, like they need to clear. There's this stuff called creep, um, or is it cluster creep, something like uh, that. And yeah, it's, something like that. It's like an alien sort of expanding bramble that prevents you from building and utilizing squares that it spreads to. You have to get a flamethrower and equip them with the with a, a flamethrower item, and they'll clear it out. There's a, there's a couple of, of things like that. Um, but, I, I mean, essentially you're doing the same thing at every level, and it just gets slightly more difficult. You're searching for the rocket parts, searching for the resources you need that can only be gathered from underground, and harvesting those things and progressing down to the next level. It's not bad. It's fine, but it is very easy, like you already described. Like, I had a similar situation happen. Like, I wasn't completely overwhelmed on level two or level three or whatever it is, whenever they you, you run into the hives. Yeah, it was level um, three. But, uh, so I, I wasn't completely overwhelmed, but at the same time, it's like, um, well, you know, a whole bunch of my stuff got destroyed, but all I had to do was wait for the engineers to rebuild it. And by then, I could put down another turret, and that was good enough. Mm. So, yeah, and it feels like the Hobbs, uh, you know, they'll send out, you know, their attack, and that's it. They don't continue attacking; it's just, yeah, you know, whatever wave they produce, and yep. then, uh, and they don't put, uh, send out anything else until that wave is completely dealt with. Yeah, not sure and if then... it changes on uh, floor four, but the thing is that once again, yeah. You have the other three floors to supplement you for whatever you know issue you may have on floor four. Yeah. Um. So there's some a few a little bit of neat variety there as you go down and you get some more complex tools, the automated mining equipment, the conveyor belts, so you don't need yeah. as many prospector bots, the different yeah. types of defenses that can be used in conjunction to more easily defend against enemy waves. There are items, I, I don't, I mean, we you talked about this, the warehouse upgrades, but there are items you can get that serve as, like, slot-in upgrades for all of the different types of buildings and then the different bot types that you can use in the mine that do various things. They speed up production, or for, in the case of the bots, they speed up movement speed, or for the warehouses, they increase the amount of simultaneous deliveries or your total warehouse capacity. Um there's uh, some different uh, workforce required uh, for a particular building a yep. chance to uh, produce a, a deter- an additional uh, resource. So if you're like cutting it thin, you can put that on, which uh, did help out a little bit. Yeah. Um, um, uh, there's also equipment for like guards to change out their weapons. Uh, so like, you know, if you have a lot of creep, you can uh, put on a couple of flamethrowers and let them have at it. Uh, there's ones for engineers that every so often they just find a particular resource. All right. Yeah. So, um, they're, they're useful. And in the case of the guards, at the very least for, for clearing creep and fighting specific enemies, like they're necessary, but for everyone and everything else, like they're, they're neat and they're useful. I don't know how necessary they are. Um, 
There's also the train station, which we have mentioned in passing. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got a train station in the middle of your, your town and a track that kind of cuts the map. Not quite in half, but it does cut it into two pieces. Um, and the train comes every five minutes. And what that does is it refreshes the special items that you can buy from the shop that it's like the train brings them, I guess. And they cost you some combination of money and rubies. And then you can also set up trade routes um, to bring in, well, to do what trade routes do, to bring in resources that you're low on or currently are struggling or in need of for the cost of gold. Or you can sell your resources that you've got excess of for gold or rubies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I had so much extra scrap running. Yeah, uh, scrap basically became my like, uh, yeah, third currency. I never found uh, what gold ducats were used for that you know, pop up every so often. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's just another currency that I was supposed to be using in like the trade station or what. Um, shoot, gold nuggets do have a use. So, oh, certain building. So you you mine gold nuggets, mm-hmm. and certain buildings in the mine. I believe it's in the mine. Certain buildings require gold nuggets for production. Yeah, I just um, had so many of them that never really clicked, I guess. Yeah, I never needed to get extra ones because I also had so many. Because yeah, what I would do I'm is really... I would just strip mine every single level. Yeah, yeah pretty much because uh, the uh, the uh, mines, uh, the mine levels, I have essentially like unbreakable barrier around where you can dig out. So it's more like, yo, know, Pick and choose uh, where you can dig instead of you know just digging in an area. Yeah, which I did find a little annoying, particularly whenever I could see a resource that I needed. It's like, how the fuck am I supposed to get over there? Yeah. Uh, the, mind- the only thing I really ran low on for quite a while was uh, was dirty water to be able to refine it uh, later on. Yeah, and I'm sure that's. Yeah, just the random generation, you know. Uh, I got unlucky with that that one. But the thing is that as you progress on, you know, you start unlocking more and more uh, resources in the mines to be able to you know, bring up to the surface. Yeah. And one thing I did find is it really paid off to uh, build at least a partial conveyor uh, network, even if you don't go all the way to the mine shaft to automatically deliver it. Uh, just bringing it closer and building where it has a pickup box uh, made it so that I went from cutting it close on a particular resource to having like five extra per cycle just because, you know, the, uh, all my, uh, uh, all my miner for that, those resource nodes was constantly digging instead of, you know, waiting for, a prospector to show up to empty it out. Yeah. Which they make it sound like, you know, if you don't run the conveyor belt all the way to the binding shaft, you know, it's useless. But no, actually, quite the contrary. Yeah, it's it short. Like you just said, it shortens the distance that your people have to watch and you or walk and you can run them all together or like a whole bunch of mm-hmm. them together in an area. And the, the collection box will pick up everything. It, it doesn't discriminate. I mean, even, I mean, even just, uh, yo. If you don't have room or you've you know, walled off because the conveyor belts, I don't think it go through uh, r- you know, rooms, quote unquote. Mm, uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, even if you run a short one uh, to just have a collect, uh, yeah, some sort of collection box, 
it vastly improves uh, cl- uh, resource collection. One, uh, once again, so- something the game doesn't really highlight. Yeah, I don't think it ever mentions it at all. Yeah, it's just, hey, you have conveyor belts now. Good luck. Yep. It, it just feels like the game lacks documentation for a lot of shit, you know? Yeah. And we haven't even really hit on the story, you know? Uh, Which there, this... is, uh, there is a story in this game, but it's so spaced out because the game expects you to spend so long that damn, right? Yeah. Basically, you know, totally uh, not evil core, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, is trying to build a rocket and is using... Ellie, uh, what's the her last name? Oh God, I I, I don't know. I uh, don't remember the uh, characters. Uh, Ellie Copperbottom or whatever. Uh, she's uh, she has some sort of well, they say Robo Gene, but yeah, uh, some sort of a way to be able to detect uh, these ancient parts in this. And she's uh, the you know uh, totally uh, benevolent and not at all evil core. Uh, is using her and her father uh, to search for a essentially a dig site to be able to go down and find these uh, rocket parts to build a rocket to get off the planet because it's supposedly going to explode. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a running theme in the SteamWorld series that like anywhere you go, the universe is falling apart. Yeah, yeah. Whoops, right? Yeah, whoopsie daisy. And you have uh, a old trader that. Uh, it was hanging out at the uh, train station that you know talks about yeah you know, uh, they dug down there that you know they've uh, uh, you know they awoke something and, and it killed them all and there's the you know totally uh, not uh, you know commentary on banker bot right yeah that's funding the uh, expedition yeah oh and and she's you know she's like oh yeah well, of course. Of course I did this for my friends and my my, <laughs> my rich friends. How do you think this is being paid for? <laughs> it's like, come on. But, yeah. It's, um... I mean, yeah, that's the story. I looked up yeah. the ending. You you get all of the rocket parts. You build the rocket. And surprise! Core is a bad guy who's part of the, the Vectron... Hive Mind, which are like mm-hmm. the series kind of bad guys, um, or one of the series bad guys, and uh, he tricked them into building the rocket so that he could escape. And I mean, the the other people like go, but Vectron has has sort of infected the ship, and it's like you helped them get into space. Oh no! Whoops! Right? Yeah. Nice job breaking it, hero. Big old whoopsie right there. I mean, they were exactly hiding, uh, or they were burying the lead, saying that, you know, Core is evil, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you'd have to be, like, a child who's never seen... Anything? Uh, who Yeah, who'd never seen anything to think that they weren't evil. Uh, I mean, uh, the only uh, thing that uh, Core was lacking was, like, uh, you know... <laughs> Which there is, isn't there one of the cutscenes? There's like a little bit of a stifled laugh. Yes, yeah, it's like, like a that, lead but, laugh, but, but but didn't quite get there. But yeah, 
it's not quite capital E evil, but it's like if <laughs> you haven't evil. already packed uh, picked up on the fact that this this is an evil character, here's your like big, you know, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge that that this character is a bad guy. It's uh, it's interesting, fun times. But yeah, I I I don't know. I think we've. I don't know. Do you have other things? I think we fairly well covered it, truthfully. Yeah, I think so. I mean, SteamWorld build it. If I bought the game, I think I would have been upset. Playing it on Game Pass, I'm more lenient uh, because, you know, it, uh, yes, yes, technically I still bought, uh, you know, paid to play the game. But, you know, I didn't buy into it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the big, you know, difference on this. It's not a game that I feel like uh, I would have uh, really felt. Ooh, thirty bucks. <laughs> uh, it it doesn't feel like a thirty dollar game to me, you know. Yeah, that that's well outside of the you know, like impulse buy, at least to me. Oh yeah, no, that's way outside of impulse buy territory for me. What is the deluxe edition? Uh, uh, soundtrack and a copy of SteamWorld Dig. It looks like. Um, yeah. <sighs> It's a hard sell for thirty bucks, you know. Yeah, and and like you said, playing it on Game Pass, it was fine. Um, I didn't hate my time with it. I spent a lot of time playing it. Um, I think I just wasn't very enthusiastic about playing it. It, it. And I think part of it might just be the lack of a full-on fast forward. Yeah, you know, there's like, play, uh, yeah, uh, pause, go, and go a little faster. It's like a one point five times speed and, is what and it feels like. There's a lot of times that you're just waiting for things to happen, you know, uh, with uh, uh, just waiting for milestones to tick off, waiting for resources to build up, uh, especially if you're you know in the process of upgrading a lot out of uh, citizen homes to the next uh, you know, class, essentially. Uh, you know, it requires a lot of resources to do that, so. You're going to do a couple, then wait. Do a couple, then wait. Yeah. And it just feels like wasting your time doesn't feel quite on par. It feels like it for all the convenience factors that it does offer, it feels weird that, yeah, this isn't one of them, you know? Yeah. And I just, I enjoyed my time with it for the most part. But I was never really enthusiastic to play it. Yeah. That that was how I felt about it whenever I did play it. I only had a couple of settings settings uh excuse me, sittings with the game. And I didn't hate my time with it. I found it relaxing and enjoyable. I listened to some podcasts and watched some you know, played it, some YouTube honestly, videos on my second monitor. It honestly feels like it was built for console first over PC. Yeah. Uh, especially with the movement around the town layer. And if you're trying to move a lot of things around or pan around to different areas, it is so sluggish. I, I, uh, what, uh, do you remember what town uh, map you uh, used? Oh, I, I used the first one that was, uh, what was it, something Gulch? Uh, I think was uh, Gulch? The, the desert. Yeah, it was the desert. Yeah, I did that one as well. I wonder if town building is dramatically different if uh, if you're on a different map. Because at least for me, uh, the 
uh, the train tracks uh, pretty much bisected the map right into, and there was like one crossing uh, right there at the train station. Yeah. Uh, with the essentially, uh, essentially the northern part of the map where the rocket is uh, uh, being like the big expansion area past, uh, you know, uh, the train station. So, you know, that's where I started to put down, like, you know, the the aristocrat bot, uh, uh, the district, and starting to slowly move stuff over there that, you know, they need, which started to free up more room for builders and engineers and essentially bisect the town and to, you know, the upper class and the lower class, which, boy, that feels like a, uh, a commentary, huh? Yeah, yeah, it does. Because there's a lot of crossover between the engineers and the builders, and not so much the other way around. From the builders, or sorry, from the engineers, the Aristobots, and I'm presuming the Aristobots and the scientists will have a lot more in common. Yeah. So and, look- and each tier, or each class of citizens, uh, works certain buildings and allows them to operate, but also. Uh, each higher tier also uh, generates more tax income. So, yeah, uh, you're kind of rewarded to really to- uh, have a lot of high-class citizens. But uh, they're just so cumbersome to uh, to build. Sorry, you were saying? Yeah, so I was looking at a list that talks about the different maps. There's five maps, and we were using Giddy Up Gorge. Yeah. And this is the quote-unquote canon map. Because it, okay. it's the one that matches up with the cuts, the storyboard cutscene, like backgrounds and things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's considered to be like, according to this, it's it's a balanced, relatively balanced area, fairly beginner friendly. And then the other four, Grand Gully, which has got a really small starting area, but a much larger and wide open full area once you unlock the mine and get the first rocket part. Mm-hmm. Um. Tumbleton, which has got, this says, it has got lots of small areas to operate in, with the focus on the map being really atmospheric, with, like, decorations and stuff that are on the map Mm. that you can't do anything about, and it looks like it's sort of Hollywood Hills-inspired. Fossil Park, which is Jurassic Park-inspired, and it's fairly balanced. And then High Roller Dunes, which is supposed to be a Vegas-inspired area, which is the most challenging map because of the combination of small build areas and lots of of uh, decoration that you can't actually mess with because they're part of the map. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't sound like the buildings are any different or the requirements are any different. It's just differences in the map uh, maps with some qualities that might make one map a little more challenging or a little easier than others. So, yeah. Oh, and also, uh, don't forget the tumbleweeds. Yes, there are tumbleweeds that blow through that have money. Mostly money, but they can have other things in them, too. And, uh, you know, always interesting to have something to shoot while you wait for resources to slowly, slowly, slowly build. Yeah. So, yeah. I would say a not a terrible start to the year, but uh, I had higher hopes for this one. Yeah, I can agree with that. For me, it feels like a pretty solid like B, B game, B tier game. I would go um, B minus. Not 
not great, but certainly not bad. There is a niche case where I could see someone really loving this, but generally speaking, it, it feels more like a uh, unwind, listen to a podcast or an audiobook type of game. Which means... Yeah, so uh, speaking of unwind games, the next one, uh, don't th- I think that's going to be this one. <laughs> no. Uh, our Game Club game for February is A Bird Story. Um, at this point, quite an old game. Yeah. But, um... From the that... developers is to the moon. Yes. Um, released in 2014. It'll be 10 years old this year in November. Um, we picked a short game for February. February is a short month. And I was originally going to be gone for about a week. Uh, some things changed. My circumstances uh, changed and I had to cancel that trip. So I'm going to be here. But it kind of works out anyways because of the weird start to the new year that we had putting us behind. So A Bird Story, a relatively short game clip game coming to you in about three weeks. In exactly three weeks. Yeah. So. I mean, that's how Tuesdays work. That is how Tuesdays work. So probably I'll play this during my my week off. I'm going to do some things, but I kept the vacation time even though I'm not getting to go on my trip. Might as well. My uh, my PTO is is or well my vacation time rather is is use it or lose it. It doesn't roll over. My sick days do, but my vacation time does not. I think what I should do is uh, actually load it up on the Steam Deck because it seems like a, a good one to just uh, uh, for there, huh? Yeah, it does indeed. I reckon I'll just play it. I don't know. I'll probably play it on my laptop or maybe uh, play it on the big screen. In the living room, kick back on the in my recliner. But Assuming, of course, it actually works because right. Uh, Steam says I hadn't actually checked yet. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it on Steam right now. Is there like oh Steam Deck compatibility playable? Probably small text. Can it give you more? Just give you more information. I don't I don't see any more information. You might know where to get more information because I don't have Steam Deck. Yeah, I still need to go in depth on it. Mm-hmm. The question is, where is it on my? I have never played a bird story. Steam tells me that it's played, but that was definitely one of those old like Steam trading card idlers I used to run. Mm-hmm. That that has played this yeah. very tiny game, 172 megabytes. Might as well install that and open up the Xbox app and do the uninstall. <laughs> Power World, you weren't you weren't awful, but honest or not Power World, although also Power World, you weren't awful, but I don't know Steam World Build, you weren't awful, but I don't really have any interest in playing you any longer. Uninstall. I feel so disappointed. In Steam World Build or Power World? Uh, actually, uh, actually, yes. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk but, about but, Power World, but, but... I, I, I would say just Steam World Build because I had hoped for a little bit more on that one. Uh-huh. And once again, it's not a bad game. That, that that's the I think that's the annoying thing, you know. It's just felt like they didn't quite uh, understand what was needed for the genres. Yeah. All right. Um yeah. So, game uh, that's, club. Uh, that's why I wasn't showing up. I had uh, that ticked on for uh, verified games only. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. Okay, so the game sometimes shows mouse, keyboard, or non-Steam Deck controller icons. Some functionality is not accessible when using 
The default controller configuration requires use of the touchscreen or virtual keyboard. That's why it's considered playable, but not uh, verified. Okay. That doesn't sound so bad. I'll even put that on the internal drive. According to this... Okay, so I do have one thing installed that is really handy for the Steam Deck. It's the ProtonDB badges. Yeah. So it's another layer on top of uh, the Steam Deck verification. And uh, it's ProtonDB, which is what you know, Steam Deck runs on for, uh, to power its games. And it lets you know, you know if the game will actually run. And according to this, it's a native Linux game. Nice. Uh, they suggest switch to the uh, community layout, uh, the top-rated one, and pretty much uh, that's it. So, yeah. That's pretty nice. much what I'm going to be doing for that one. Easy breezy cover, girl. Uh, but anyways, uh, now that we have, have covered the things that we're going to cover this week, hey, Rach, why don't you uh, hit with them socials and tell us where they can find us? Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. Uh, I have an inactive... Uh, Twitter, yes, I'm still dead aiming it. Fight me, Elon. Uh, actually, no, lick me, Elon. <laughs> uh, that seems to be more his speed, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Game OCR over there. I haven't really messed with Blue Sky too much, uh, or uh, Threads too much. But if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you could do so, Caffeine Rage, there. And you've been? I've been Jared. Find me on uh, Twitter. At JMA4707, and the same handle, but on Blue Sky, you can uh, be my friend on Steam, Jarether4707, or come say hi in our Discord, uh, and show me love other ways. Ew. Bad touch, bad touch. Go on. Bad touch. I'm still bad touching. Bad touch, of course. Bad touch. Of course. Uh, I've been traumatized. Uh, as I slowly scroll back up to the top... Uh, if you wish to contact us, vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters, voicemails, game-related topics, if you have thoughts about SteamWorld Build or Bird Story or or other things that we may be playing in the future, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, I think we've made one of them abundantly clear. Uh, if, uh, if it's not very clear at this point, guess what? Core was evil the entire time. Of course. Or you could tweet us VGO Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made this band as possible. You can find out more about that over at patreon.com slash VGO Podcast. Our show notes are over at vglpodcast.podbean.com which also has a link to the Discord at the very top if, which, if you wish to use that to get a hold of us as well. And if you do get a hold of us, uh, uh, Jared's not as greasy as he looks. He, 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 he's a very uh, clean boy. I do uh, value j- j- uh, a, sh- but, a good shower. But 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 he but 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 yeah. Don't trust him. Don't trust him. It's bad touch. It's a bad touch. Or just yeah, bitch at us for not posting the podcast, Jared. Yeah, that works too. <laughs> Make me on my day off. I figure out how to post the podcast again. So it turns out, uh, Pod, uh Bean also has. Uh, AI-generated shit now in it. That wasn't there whenever I uh, last did the podcast. So, yeah. That was intriguing to find out. Um, uh, anyway, I was on a tangent because, you know, I'm tired and 
uh, tangent refilled, I guess, today. Right. Uh, if you wish to spread the love, you could also find us on your podcatcher of choice. Uh, our intro and outro is on the ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com. And as always, as this lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye bye now. See ya. Bye bye. Woo.